What would it take to arouse your life, to experience more connection, more pleasure, more realness in and outside of the bedroom? I'm August McLaughlin, and this is Girl Boner Radio. Could you get more familiar with your body and what feels good by taking a pen to paper and mapping it out? That's the idea behind body mapping, a technique used to explore a person's perceptions of their physical self. When it's paired with sexual exploration, body mapping may even make your arousal richer, your orgasms stronger, and According to one story you'll hear in this episode, your sexual experiences kinkier. Tara Galliano knows a lot about body mapping and sexual discovery, thanks to two decades of work as a sex therapist and recent epiphanies in her personal life brought on by crises in her health and her marriage. Nearly in one fell swoop, everything essentially broke open, allowing her to rediscover connection with her own body, something that wasn't exactly instilled in her while she was growing up in New York City in the 1970s. I knew from a very early age that sex was taboo. Sex wasn't even something I should be considering as a young girl. Um, And I think I may have been tapped a couple of times because I was masturbating and that was not seen as appropriate. And yet I remember that my father had pornography magazines. And so also, you know, the hypersexuality that lives within this culture. I think as I got older, there was certainly the overlay of Catholicism and really any doubts in my mind were affirmed of this is absolutely off limits. This is absolutely taboo and that it should not even be considered for pleasure, Uh, maybe for procreation or maybe within the context of a union of a marriage, but certainly not explored individually prior to marriage and without a male partner. And so very fascinating internalized messages that then become, goodness, as seamless as the air that we breathe and then thinking that must be the way. Messages Tara absorbed from her Catholic upbringing influenced her into adulthood, including messages about marriage. She was married to the father of her two children for 25 years when she said her body started to tell her in no uncertain terms that something wasn't right. I really held to this vow. The vow was very important to me and that I had made this vow not only to myself, but to this other soul and that we were bound in that. And really the heavy heaviness of that and also the sanctity of that and living within that context and recognizing on some level that my body was saying, this is such bullshit. <laughs> And my mind overrode it time and time again until it came to a culmination in December of 2018 
where it was so apparently clear that there had been some covert activities on the part of my husband and lies, deceptions that I could not take any more bullshit anymore. Tara told me she heard a past guest and I talk about our respective burst appendixes and how disconnected we both felt to our bodies at the time, or at least really good at ignoring them. She told me she related to those stories because of what happened next. I went up to a mountain ashram in Colorado on New Year's Eve, and goodness, I had, yeah, an appendicitis. And that night I could feel it coming on and I thought it was gas. I didn't know what it was. And it wasn't so terrible, but it was a little bit of discomfort. And then I couldn't join in in the activities in the way that I wanted to. So I just went to bed a little bit earlier. And then I felt like I was going into labor. It was excruciating pain. And I had no idea what was going on. But I knew, because I needed to be polite, that it was 3 o'clock in the morning. And I wasn't going to wake my neighbors up, even though I knew that they were nurses or that they could help me and that they had phone coverage that they could call and I couldn't even call for help but at five o'clock in the morning that seemed like a reasonable time and I cried when they said that I needed surgery because I really didn't want to have to undergo that again it was the best thing I had this rock star surgeon and she said not only was your appendix perforated this time so you needed to come in for the appendectomy but prior to this we can see the scar tissue where it had been perforated. And I thought, oh yeah, bodies are so amazing. So I just was sucking up the bullshit and just ignoring it and you know, overriding it. And my body was doing its best to hold things together. And the reality was that things really needed to blow up. And that's exactly what happened. Things blew up. I have been a sex therapist for the past two decades and a licensed professional counselor. And so something about that as my training, I was the expert, I was the professional, and I always came very reserved to sessions. People didn't know much about me. I was the blank slate. I was trained in a psychodynamic orientation. It was very rigid and helpful, but to a very limited extent, I would say. The blessing is, is that I did have that training. And all of a sudden, it occurred to me that I needed that more than anything for my own personal development. And I went on a journey after all of the litigation, which took the better part of last year, goodness, it's been a new journey. I have been working with pelvic floor specialists like Tammy Kent. I've been studying Tantra, which I had studied prior, but more from an academic or professional perspective, even though I had gone to workshop trainings. But now I have been diving in much deeper, and I've been working with an energy healer and, and just profound teachings that I know are coalescing all of the information that I'd had before in an academic, professional way. But now it's real. I was like, this is, this is real. I mean, I I look back and I see the limitations of what it was that I was doing and how I was doing it because I wasn't really showing up embodied in that. 
Uh, because if I was truly embodied in, in that, I would have recognized the bullshit and really would have needed to do something about that a lot sooner than I did. And then recognizing that we all get the lessons that we need in the perfect time and that I needed all of that time. And now I've gotten it. And I've gotten it so completely, so utterly that there's just no turning back. And I feel so turned on by this experience. And I want to share it with the world and also change the way that I show up in my professional life. So I'm an author and a speaker and a retreat host because the limitations of, I would say, professional counseling are limitations and the ethical guidelines and the rules and restrictions and the grievances and all of that. There's so much more to explore. I asked Tara if she experienced any sense of grief initially when she realized she had this growth work to do, the kind we might feel when we discover something really exciting, such as exploring toys or solo play for the first time. Even if we feel grateful, happy, or even ecstatic about the discovery, it's easy to wonder how life might have been different if we had figured it out sooner. Tara said not only did she experience that early on, but it comes up continuously. And I need to honor it. And sometimes I don't have a narrative or a storyline about it. And it just emerges and I feel it. And that was my day yesterday. And I was so sad. And I didn't have any reason to be sad. But just feeling it deeply within my soul and recognizing that this is my growth edge. And that I'm about to go to the next level. And that that's stretching me and I'm grieving for who I was, how I've been in the world. And not that anything was wrong with it, but it's, it's leaving and it's changing. One way Tara encourages others to cultivate similar sexual self-discovery involves body mapping. During her work as a sex therapist, she began working with women who had cancer. I was amazed by their courage, by their tenacity, and really by their strength. One of the things that we worked on was looking at how they can embrace their sensual self, how they can embrace pleasure again after feeling betrayed by their body. We really needed to look at making gentle steps and bringing things forward in a very simple, small way. Uh, that we weren't going to get to maybe, you know, multiple orgasms today, but we'd get there eventually. It was really about how to find pleasure in their body when they've had so much grief, so much trauma in their body, and so much objectification by, I would say, the medical community where they felt like they weren't honored for who they were, but seen as a body. So the body mapping was a critical tool for the women to be able to tap into themselves and have an external view of themselves, which help them understand where there is pleasure and where there is pain in their body. So someone would trace the outline of their body, which is in and of itself a very intimate experience. If you've ever had that done, to have somebody trace the nooks and crannies of your body is intimate maybe pleasurable or maybe just sensitive experience. And so 
we began with that. To start the body mapping process, you lie down on the floor on top of a large sheet of paper while someone else traces an outline of your body, usually with a marker. Tara said she likes to use the packing paper you can buy at Staples because it's long enough and usually wide enough too. If you need more width, you can easily tape two pieces together. The important thing, she said, is making sure your entire body fits. And then I would have the woman lie on her back and be traced. I think drawing that position feels a little bit easier for them to lie down. And then if they feel adventurous, they can go for the other side. And so they could have two versions. So this way they could do the back side and then the front side. Once your body has been traced, you stand up, observe the drawing, and then make it your own. Body mapping can be used for a whole range of purposes. I've heard about its use in eating disorder therapy, for example, with the aim of addressing body image challenges and self-perceptions that don't match up with reality. In the context of pleasure and sensuality, you use the image to reflect on and illustrate things like where you like to be touched. And I like to keep the direction simple. So a red light is don't touch me here, it's off limits. And a green light is, touch me here, I find this pleasurable. And a yellow light is kind of maybe. What I discovered is that most of the women who were doing this were artistic masters, and they could draw very easily what it was that they were experiencing. Or they could cut out from magazines and make these decoupage masterpieces with images that expressed to them what was pleasurable in their body and what was off limits. And so I just let them go with whatever it is that worked best for them and their creativity. I kept it simple for myself. But that was a great map that they were able to create and then again have this externalized view so then they could step into it when it felt comfortable, but also step out of it and see so they could observe what it is that they had created and recognize that that too could be changed at some point. So they dated it, and then they needed to speak about it in the group. And so they shared their insights, they shared their observations, they shared what it is that they learned from this body mapping experience. And they all, I would say, by and large, received such encouragement from their peers. All of the women were so eager to learn from each other and eager to embrace each other's experience. It was so beautiful, the community that formed there. Because the women in these groups were all cancer survivors, they had all had some type of surgery that altered some part of their body. Through body mapping, some learned that certain areas of their body had become off-limits for intimate touch, and those areas often changed over time. So body mapping at different stages turned out to be especially helpful. Once the women shared their observations with the group, and they received so much support and love in response, they had the opportunity to share their body maps with their partners. While this step was sometimes more difficult, Tara said most of the women really embraced it. And so then they might share with their partner saying, I love when you rub my toes. And their partner, for all of the decades that they have been together, may or may not have known that that was something that gave the woman pleasure. Just that little bit of information 
um, because we oftentimes in so many of our relationships and so much of our life run on autopilot. That was an opening for a conversation. And then if the partner was game, they could do that as well. They could create the body map with each other where the woman was drawing the outline of her partner. And then the discussion could be equal. They could both share about what is pleasurable for them. And, and that's an opening, especially when most of these women were not having intercourse because of the pain, either real or perceived by themselves or by their partner. Those kinds of conversations can happen without body mapping, of course, talking about what feels good versus what doesn't. But body mapping can heighten self-awareness and make those conversations a lot more feasible. When we're able to externalize the image, it becomes easier to observe and absorb. So we can take in the information a little bit easier. It's not so personalized and it's not so embodied. And what I also find is that because particularly these women that I began this process with had had cancer, had identified that they've had trauma in their body, that the felt sensations were sometimes more difficult to access. One example Tara gave was numbness you might experience after a trauma or surgery. Many of the women in her groups considered numbness a lack of sensation and therefore not worth mentioning. Tara sees that numbness very differently. See, that's the opening, and that is the beginning of sensation, that there is numbness there. When we come into the body and feel the sensations, it's a much different level of assessment and also evaluation and also of identifying. And that skill is actually sometimes more difficult if you've had trauma in the body. All of this work through body mapping can help pave the way to restored arousal and sexual self-confidence and more pleasure, potentially more than you've ever experienced before. Much of this is due to neuroplasticity, Tara said, which is the brain's ability to grow, change, and create new connections. The brain literally deletes neural connections it no longer needs and strengthens the necessary ones. Sort of like deleting old files on your computer to make room for newly updated ones you most want to use. Tara has seen this unfold in pretty spectacular ways. They begin to see that they can, when they desire, cultivate erogenous zones that may not have existed at the date of the body mapping. So when they identify that the erogenous zones that they had had prior to cancer, prior to surgery, no longer exists in their body in the way that it had, they feel the loss, they feel the grief, and then the desire oftentimes is for more pleasure. And then how do they experience that? And so they're able to cultivate that. And it's a slow journey and it is a process and it's one of commitment and ongoing exploration and curiosity. And yet when they hold that inspiration and aspiration in their hearts and that intention, that they move forward in that. Tara told me she has witnessed so many people's beautiful stories of ways they've come into union with another person because they were able to allow themselves more pleasure without feeling constricted or shut down. One woman Tara worked with had colorectal cancer that really impacted her vagina, so vaginal intercourse with her husband stopped the moment she had surgery. And they had tried at one point 
it was unsuccessful and they were embarrassed and they didn't even have the words to speak about it. But through the process of the body mapping and other activities that are in the Rediscovering My Body program, they were able to work towards a connection that was satisfying and intimate. And she wrote me back and said they went away for a romantic weekend and they had the kinkiest, wildest, most fun that they'd had in years and they'd been married for decades. And I think just infusing the relationship with pleasure and fun and laughter really heightened the arousal for both of them that it was just, it was mind blowing. If you're wondering if you can give body mapping a try on your own without a therapist or group therapy format, Tara feels the answer is yes. I'm all about people finding tools that work for them, that they can do in the privacy of their own home. I love to see clients and I think coming to a sex therapist is a very brave activity. I mean, I meet people now who I know are very well educated and very intelligent. They say that it never would have occurred to them to have called a sex therapist for some of their issues, or it never would have occurred to them that somebody does that as a profession, as a sex therapist. So I get that there's still in this day and age, the aversion or the layer of discomfort of reaching out. And I think there's certainly things that we can do within our own homes that fulfill that, that kind of stretch us beyond our comfort zone, but keep us also within that that are helpful, like the body mapping. So can you do this by yourself? Yes. Can you do this with a partner? Absolutely, yes. And that's even a little bit more edgier. Can you do it with a community of friends? Absolutely. And maybe that's a little bit less edgy. And that's great. You know, there's options in terms of doing this work. To take her messages further, Tara wrote a book called Rediscovering My Body. It's based on a class she created with the same name, and it focuses on sexual enlivening, healing, and self-love. And it's in homage to the women that I began working with uh, that had had cancer. And what I noticed is that all women seem to have asked in some way for this work because they've gone through menopause or they've just been pregnant or a relationship ended. And that the opportunity for them to begin referencing themselves and listening to themselves has emerged. And within that, I offer activities and exercise. So it's really a guidebook. It's not a lot of text because I want people to become engaged because this is a pathway forward that enables one to become the expert on themselves because we all are the experts on ourselves and I'm not. I'm just a guide facilitating the process. Tara also empathizes with these challenges and knows the process from the inside out and working with fellow women seems to have impacted her life as much as her self-work has. It's been very humbling. I feel so connected to my sisters in a way that I had not before. I think I wore a cloak of expert, and now I no longer wear that. And so this work going forward is really about cultivating community, feeling for my sisters, knowing that there's so much more for each of us when women are fully embodied and that we recognize this vessel as home, that there is so much power there that we are able to co-create with the universe in ways that are beyond our wildest dreams. 
Learn more about Tara Galliano at rediscoveringmybody.com or click the link down in the show notes. There, you can also click to join the new Girl Boner Radio Patreon community. For as little as $2 or $5 a month, you can get fun extras such as access to the exclusive feed, bonus content every month, entries into prize drawings, and more. If you believe in this work and my mission or want to have more Girl Boner fun, I really hope you'll join us. As always, all genders are welcome. This week, I'm excited to send a prize box to our first winner, Heidi M. Big congrats, Heidi. So someone recently asked me if Dr. Megan and I had thoughts on touch starvation, also known as skin hunger. If you're not familiar, touch starvation happens when a person experiences little or no touch of any kind from other living beings. This can happen for a huge range of reasons, but the pandemic has definitely increased its prevalence. Research points to a whole bunch of adverse effects of touch starvation, such as anxiety, depressed moods, sleep difficulties, heightened stress, and a tendency to avoid secure attachments. Thankfully, there are effective ways to manage these challenges, and if you're going through them, you are so not alone, and I promise you, there is reason to hope and support out there for you. I asked Dr. Megan Fleming to share a few tips for managing touch starvation. You know, if you think about it, physical contact and touch, it's our first language, and it's one of our five senses. It's, you know, something that we sort of develop awareness of in utero. In fact, we also know in utero, we start to stimulate ourselves in a sense, masturbate because we're learning at a very young age in utero, ultimately what feels good. I have a number of clients who live alone and really are feeling cut off from even the most basic of human needs. What I hear consistently is, I miss hugs. People miss just being affectionately touched and hugged. And so I think it's important to recognize that there's profound effects when we lose touch. Touch reduces both stress and anxiety. It sort of calms our nervous system. With the extended hug, that 20, 30 second hug, we know that that releases oxytocin, which is sort of that feel good cuddle hormone that also sort of boosts our empathy, trust, and generosity. All of things that are we definitely needing right now in our communities and individually. And so, you know, when you don't have a person right now for safety reasons that you feel like you can get that contact with, I'm going to share with you some practical strategies and things that you can do that, again, are sort of mimicking that sensation and really allowing yourself to receive the feeling of touch. So that's everything from petting a dog or a cat, giving yourself a scalp massage, doing cardio to relieve any stress and tension in the body, lifting weights, dancing, of course, an all-time favorite, masturbation and self-pleasuring, even those weighted blankets, or even a large stuffed animal. I know that I'm getting one for both my daughter and son for the holiday season because there's just something so amazingly cuddly about something that you can hold on to. I've even heard about clothes that you wear because it could be silk or because satin, something feels good against your skin, and or snuggling up with a heating blanket, right? We're just a heating pad just to receive that sense of warmth. What I do know is that even when if you're not with someone, there are ways you can give yourself that sense of touch so that you know that you're not alone and that 
you're getting that sense of everything's going to be okay. We all know that the vaccine is happening, and so it may take a while, but there is the light at the end of the tunnel. But in the meantime, acknowledge that skin hunger is real and think about all the ways in which you can get those needs met for yourself. Thanks so much, Dr. Megan. I loved all of those tips, and I hope you are all taking best care. If you're enjoying the show, please hit subscribe if you haven't and leave us a rating and review. And again, I hope to see you on Patreon. Thank you so much for listening and have a beautiful Girl Boner Embracing Week.